Episode Soviet Sunday. Hello and welcome to Pull Request. My name is Eric Newman and this is uh, Tyler Dinner. Hello. Oh, hello. Hello. Uh, today we have a. No, I'm going to stop to prevent the Russian accents from getting out of hand this early in the show. Um, how, how are we? How are you, Tyler? I'm pretty good. Can't complain. It's a nice Sunday. How about yourself? Uh, it, uh, it's fantastic. It, it snowed. It snowed yesterday. Yes. That's uh, was pretty cool. It's probably the nicest I've ever seen it outside, though, for 20 degrees weather and snow everywhere on the ground. Yeah, and uh, uh, quite a few people. This thing happened again, didn't it? What's Where's going the, uh... oh, difficulties? hello. Uh, Christian Grabowski is in the house, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, let's uh, stop tape. Oh, wait, we can't, because it's a live show. Hi, Chris. Hello. Which, which mic is? Uh, I think it's three. Chris was delayed to inclement weather. Yes, and As some of you on the East Coast might have noticed. Yes, even though uh, we all knew it snowed yesterday. The West Coast was supposed to get stuff too, though, I heard. Oh, really? Supposed to end the drought, apparently. Well, I have I have oh. some friends in the Northwest oh. uh, who said it was actually... They, I, I feel like people in Portland and Seattle might actually have more of a winter this year than we do. It's well, like that's usually the case. Is that, No, it's not. It's, it's like it's supposed to not snow there, but here it snows Portland? a lot. Yeah. Pacific Northwest? Yeah, it's not known s- to be cold. On the really, but it doesn't yeah. snow. No, but it's not like that. It's Only not supposed to be twenty degrees and snowing. It anyway, snow in Seattle on the reg. Well, anyway, well maybe this year it will. So, uh, <laughs> so Chris, uh, how's uh, say something? Hi. How are you? Hi, I'm doing all right. I love your Cosby. That's not a Cosby sweater. It's, it's almost. It's like an almost culturally appropriative. I, it's. I, I like to think it's dumb dumb more like a uh, Native American thing going on, but like I said, culturally. Appropriative. Well, I mean, I guess they are American, so that's something. Anyway, uh, we were just Chris. Uh, we were just starting the show, and uh, we were mentioning how this episode this week we're going to talk a lot about Russia. Well, 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 eh? Well, before we talk about Russia, let's talk about some fun stuff like. The Super Retro Boy is a great remake of the original Game Boy. Oh, first, before I get into this, uh, CES is going on right now. Yeah. Cesspool. Have you guys uh, heard of any new new stuff? This uh, is one of those new things. Everyone's putting out really cool processors, so I'll say that. Everybody is putting out really cool processors. And my by, team's down there right by now. By everybody, I mean uh, just Intel and AMD, of course. Oh, yeah, the, uh, well, not ARM. Uh, I, I didn't see anything on ARM. But uh, AMD Ryzen and the uh, KB Lake uh, Intels. Well, isn't KB Lake late? Uh, no, it's just apparently a big flop. Um, it's a big flop. Yeah, it's not a huge imp- uh, improvement over uh, over the uh, uh, what's it called the uh, uh, Skylake. It's uh, basically that turbo speed is now the normal speed. Oh, so they're gonna wait. So now I can finally have a computer without a turbo button. I've been waiting 30 they, years for they, that. They, they, they gotten rid of the turbo button a long time ago. How do you? Well, how does That's it engage not, the turbos the, without the, the turbo. turbo? No. No. What, what happens? It, it's just under heavy load. It, it engages at, at a higher clock speed, automatically. Oh, 
Interesting. And so it's like, uh, what is it? Like in a car, like a turbo in a car. Oh, hey, that's probably where it came from. Yeah. Well, um, in other news, in other news, my team's down there right now. Oh yeah, how's that going? Pretty good. Are you? What are they? What's the goal for Little Star? For uh, we should mention that you work for. If you want to mention it, uh, we've mentioned before. I'll mention again. Yeah, I'm at Little Star. Uh, that's we're a 360 video and virtual reality company. We have an awesome platform on tons of apps and uh, almost every single virtual reality platform that's out there. Uh, we're on the Vive. We're on the Rift. We're on. Um, PlayStation VR recently, and that's been a real fun one. And the Google Daydream. Google Daydream is an amazing product. Daydream? Mm-hmm. What is, what yeah, is that? That's very nice. Uh, Google came out with that about three months ago. It's a VR headset much like uh, the Oculus, or not the Oculus Rift, more like the um, the the Rift, uh, where you, you plug a headset, you take a phone and you put it into the headset itself. Right, right. Um, but this one is, instead of being plastic and bulky and being like a stormtrooper, it's uh, it's made of uh, nice nice cloth, and it's got... Uh, a nice little remote with it to uh, help you out and navigate. And smartly designed, they actually made it so the remote folds up inside the headset when you're wow. done using it so you won't lose the remote. Fine, fantastic design. <sighs> if only TVs came with something like that. Only TVs. Well, perfect segue because also at CES this year were some new models of televisions, but not just new models of televisions, new technologies in television. So you think OLED, which is barely coming out now, already old. Already, well, you can't spell OLED without old, I mean, really. But no. Olay. No. Sorry. What? You're giving me the stink eye. I can not can only use Quagmire for well, that, euphemisms. That one wasn't sexual. Yeah, that, that it just didn't work. Oh, uh, okay. I give you a B plus for effort. Okay. You redeemed yourself. Thank you. Um, oh, so there is a new display technology called QLED. Uh, Samsung at CES this year has unveiled a new line of TVs dubbed the QLED range. Is it quantum? Uh, I'm gonna. S you know, they don't actually say in this article. Uh. Oh, yes. <coughs> Just scroll down slightly. Yes. QLED refers to quantum dot LEDs. Good call, Tyler. Quantum dot technology itself isn't new. Samsung and other companies have been using it for the last few years, but with QLED series, Samsung has wrapped quantum dots in a new metal alloy, which leads to better brightness, color, and viewing angles. Does that mean your TV channels can be in two places at the same time? <laughs> that means you can be in two places at the same time, and with the insane viewing angle of the television, can you can I watch, watch it. two things at one time? <gasps> yeah, like a picture and picture. Yeah, but like two full pictures. Well, no. Time. No. What if you could subliminally what is watch a, full a television picture? program inside Like, you remember those little, uh, those little, uh, they weren't stickers, but, like, you'd uh, bend them one way and you'd see one image, you'd bend it the other way, you'd see another image? Is it like that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, um, there are three QLED models. The flagship Q9F, which is flat, and the Q8C, which is curved. And, mm. uh, who wants curved television? Do you, do you want a curved television? I have a curved monitor. It's you, awesome. Why? It's more natural in your eyes. It's so nice. At the end of the day, my eyes do not feel fatigued or anything. Really? And I don't realize the monitor is curved. It feels more natural. It looks more natural. But what if you're What if you're standing slightly off uh, center from the monitor? It's fine. It's fine. Mm -hmm. uh, what brand is it? Uh, Samsung. Samsung again. Right back here. You wanna? You have a? Do you have a curved display? I do not. Have you used curved I, displays? I've sat in front of one for a long period of time. I I did like it. You I, did. I agree. It is natural. We saw a couple at Micro Center. I, yeah, yeah. But like, is it? I. I I think, uh, like, I couldn't sit there and watch TV, but I could definitely sit there and code on it. Interesting. Interesting, yes. It's uh, more natural for your eyes, just like flux. 
Uh, yeah. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah, uh, you got two flux users uh, here. You, know. you have I'm, every one in the world of flux user. Except you guys, for no, Eric. except for people yeah. who care about colors and want to see we the actual yeah, we care about our eyesight. We want to see them in twenty years. Yeah, and we Let's, care about not waking up with headaches. Have this argument. Then both of you wear glasses, and I will be blind. Let's see what yeah, happens you better first. Start practicing yeah. guitar with your eyes closed. Yeah. Hey, you know muscle memory. Muscle memory. There are fam many famous blind musicians. Oh, I didn't That's say true. you couldn't do it. Anyway, back to uh, <laughs> Wonder is the baddest dude on the planet. There you go. Uh, does he play guitar? No. He plays well, everything. Have you seen he, his drum solo online? It's he, my, no, but has he, I don't think I've seen him play guitar. I don't think he's played guitar. guitar live. I saw him uh, that time I met him in Guitar play. Center. I saw him playing, it was basically cross the piano and guitar, but lean more towards the guitar. Yeah. Right? So it was like you're hammering away on strings. Dulcimer thing? No, yeah, no. I think it's a dulcimer or something. Interesting. Like I think I'm wrong. I know what you're talking about, though. Anyway. They used to have hand harps. Those were yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's not a juice harp, Rose is it? Car no, the thing that like Rose Carter used in, in you know Gash, that's the thing. Yeah, you like they have uh, numbers. They ha just have chord names on, and they're just buttons, and you press the buttons, which tell you what chord name it is. And all you have to do is oh, that's an auto harp. That's it. Yeah, they, they were popular on the Partridge Family. Those are sweet. I wasn't alive in the seventies, but I somehow. Oh, because in the nineties they made that made-for-TV movie about the Partridge Family. Anywho, anywho, QLED TVs are brighter for starters. Last year's SUHD. There are. This is. This is Samsung 4K QLED TVs at CES 2017. None of those letters were repeated. Hmm. That's a lot of words. That's almost that's almost all the letters. Yep. Okay. Uh, also promises to address the greatest weakness in LCD tech TVs, the backlighting. Traditional LCD backlighting lights pixels up from one direction, but Samsung's QLED panels are structured in a way that can be lit from multiple sides. Hence the quantum. Hence the quantum. Okay. Let's... Uh, Yes, press on anything else from CES. It's uh, Not from CES, CES, but since we're talking about new stuff, kind of just wanted to bring up uh, Google's new Python runtime, Grumpy. Oh, yes. <laughs> you want to mm. talk about that now, or you want to talk about it at the end of the show? Uh, probably now, since we're just doing all the new stuff now. Okay. So we have more time for Russia and everything. Uh, yeah. Also, we're talking about yeah, old we'll... stuff later, huh? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> we're going to go backwards. Well, because we missed uh, two weeks. Oh, that's what I was going to say. First, before we go on, we should apologize. Mm -hmm. Shouldn't we? We're sorry. Should apologize. Yeah. We're, we're sorry. So, we're sorry for last week. We're we weren't here last week. No. What oh, happened? We are sorry. Yeah. We came. We could not get into the building. We were. We sat outside the studio and tried to shout loudly for an hour to see if the microphones could pick it up, and that didn't work. <laughs> so we apologized to the fair people of Brooklyn, and I tried to remote into the computer to play the, our Hanukkah episode, which also requires an apology because it was way. I mean, I need to apologize because it was way too dark. It was way too... Oh, was that, was that camera not on? No, it already was on. It already died. Oh, the camera? Oh. We can plug it into USB to charge it. Tyler brought a 360 Omni camera to the show, which is fantastic, but how many minutes of, of time does it have? It has plenty. Uh, we just ran out of battery. That was my It ran fault. out of battery. We can charge it with USB cable. So close. Okay. Anyway, so what do we well, all we say will, to we'll the people of Brooklyn? Oh, yeah. Hanukkah episode was too dark. We didn't say... Happy Hanukkah, or Merry Christmas, or Happy New Year. We didn't play the Hanukkah song. That was my mess. We really, uh, I'm sorry. And we're sorry. We're sorry. We're sorry. We're sorry. Okay. Sorry. Good. Now, we don't have much time. So, Grumpy. Go running Python. Google runs millions of lines of, of Python code. The front-end server that drives YouTube.com and YouTube's API are primarily written in Python. And it also serves millions of requests per second. 
the YouTube's front end runs on C Python 2.7, blah, 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 to solve this problem. Uh, uh, these are pretty important things. You're blah, blah, blah. And, really? We've put yeah. a ton of time. So I, th we, well, I think the big thing here to discuss is the, the fact that they're doing this for concurrency to allow more I was going to stop blah, blah, blah on the concurrency. And, well, that's exactly the, the blah, blah, blahs we're going No, over. it's a, we put a ton of work into improving the runtime and adapting your application to work optimally. You don't need to read that. that but now I just That's did. exactly what they're saying. Yeah, but. these efforts have borne a lot of fruit over the years, but we also we always run up against the same issue. It is very difficult to make concurrent workloads perform well on C Python. To solve this problem, we investigated a number of other Python runtimes, mm -hmm. and they all didn't. They all so the big thing that Go brings to the table is the multiplexing of threads. Uh, so instead of having to deal with uh, threads that are kind of heavy in memory, and you can only have a certain amount. Uh, with Go, they approached uh, uh, it as kind of like having a green thread on top of an actual thread. And with that, it, it'll actually take the, uh, a much smaller chunk of memory for each Go routine. And so it's a lot uh, less heavy than a thread. And for each thread, you can have many Go routines. I'm sorry, you said green thread? Yes. What's a green thread? A green thread is basically just a thread that isn't an operating system thread. An operating system thread is one managed by the kernel. And then a green thread is something managed on top of that by the, uh, some language's runtime. Ah, interesting. So what did, so, uh, what did Google do? So Google took... Uh, uh, basically Go and then just added a Python interpreter to it that then transpiles into an actual Go program instead of an actual running Python. And so then How you do you do Go that? binary. I always, I'm sorry to interrupt. Pythons can't run. No, no, no. Yeah. no, no, no. I wasn't even going to make that lame joke. How, my, my real question is how do you write an interpreter that handles all the edge cases for a particular language? So th they made a very good point of saying they wanted all of the, uh, basically seamless from CPython to uh, this uh, Grumpy. Because so they, they even took the weird quirks of uh, your original Python and added it into this. In fact, I, I kind of just skimmed through the source code when it was released, which by the way, this thing's got like the most stars I've seen in a single day on GitHub. But uh, uh, with this, they basically said, just uh, interpret the Python like you would normally, but then spit out a Go binary and then uh, in have support for both Python's libraries as well as Go's libraries in this Python. And so that way you can add new stuff with uh, Go's uh, features, but you could also just use regular Python. But then how did my, my, you didn't answer my question. My question is how do they re-implement the whole language and all of its uh, like... Oh, I was saying they just interpret it like they would normally, but then it goes into a Go binary instead of it uh, running. So they just use the standard Go interpreter? I mean, a, a no, they, Python they, interpreter? They, they rewrite the interpreter in Go. Oh. But it's the... And I guess the source code for that is behavior. open so they could see what it, it does. It also helps, I I think Google hired Guido, the guy who created Python, I think. Oh, well, that would help. Yeah. yeah. That would help. He might know a thing or two. He might. Yeah. Yes. Uh, by the way, if anybody listening does hear some music, that's not us, actually. We're not the people who are playing annoying music this time. It's the We Are Below a Record Studio uh, Store. Not a record studio. That would be uh, sweet. It would be sweet. That yeah, would be no. sweet. Uh, we're below a record store, and they're playing records, and uh, you can still hear it through the walls and ceilings and floors and insulation. So. It's not the worst music that could be playing no. in the background. No, no, no. And I used to live above a restaurant that played awesome music, and you could only get so mad at people who were annoying you with sound, oh, but we heard the music your complaints. is good. <laughs> what? We heard, we heard your complaints. Yeah, and so did they. Ironically, <clears throat> the guy who owned the restaurant took over my apartment. They now moved the speaker from the ceiling, and you see it, it's like awkwardly on a chair, because after I left, he even knew that it was too much. Anyway, mm -hmm. all right, we're about... 16 minutes in, and if you look at the outline that I made, you could see that I actually tried to chart specific times with topics so we could catch ourselves if we run late, and we already fucked it up. So, sorry. Right. 
Well, maybe anyway. we should just go with the one last new software thing, which would have been uh, the Rails concurrency uh, architecture. Okay. Which so, uh, we, so we talked about Python concurrency, did we? Mm -hmm. So we just said that they re-implemented Python and Go. Oh, and one that's of the big it. things. Sorry, one of the big things to mention there is that uh, standard Python has this uh, just global lock on the interpreter to synchronize threads, and that can really slow things down. But with this, you have channels in Go, which just take uh, uh, Go routine A when it's trying to communicate to Go routine B and synchronize them instead of having all of them hold to just communicate data across. Gotcha, gotcha. And now Rails concurrency. So th this is similar in some ways and different in a lot of ways. And so the, the similarity there is the fact that concurrency is something that's becoming way more popular. So there's more support for it. But with this, the, uh, the big focus is saying on the in development, uh, you have a nice little hot reload. So that way you modify a class, it'll reload on save as opposed to having to restart your Rails server. Nice. Which, uh, Tyler, you do uh, Rails, so I'm kind of curious what you think about, uh, uh, have you ever run into the issue where you, you reload a class and all of a sudden your server crashes because it had some thread trying to access that class as it was being reloaded? Uh, condition. Mm, I can't say, honestly. Mm -hmm. I, I haven't been doing uh, server-side Rails on anything but our stack at work, which is all set up with Foreman, and it's got live reloads. Okay. Uh, do you know what version of Rails that is offhand? Uh, I think we're rocking. We haven't upgraded to five yet, so. Okay, because this this one's about five. Where uh, with the new concurrency model, while you can have manually controlled threads, which was the issue if you have something like uh, Sidekick or um, uh, delayed jobs running in development, and that's uh, doing its own thing with the threads, and you have Rails there as well. Normally, when you change your class, if it's accessing that, and there's a bunch of threads. One of those threads uh, could be trying to access that as it's being updated, and you run into a race condition there. Wow. But with uh, this n uh, new way of doing it, it ends up uh, just having enough thread management of synchronization to say, uh, don't access this class if it's being saved. Uh, the uh, uh, hot reload has priority over any thread accessing it. Nice. So it just waits until that class comes back and saved. Yep. Awesome. Which is what a lot of frameworks do with uh, even React. Well, Webpack does that with React. You know, yeah. React hot reloaders for well, a similar you, reason. You have a lot easier time with that because JavaScript. But uh, No, but I mean, it does a similar thing. It's a server. Yeah. Webpack yeah. has a server that yeah, it, it but, has uh, updates that it listens for stuff and then reloads. And JavaScript has the nice only one uh, thread is executing code and then a bunch executing I.O. So It's not uh, one. You can do what? One thread is executing code. Can't you do multi-threaded JavaScript something? Well, there's web workers, web workers and there's right. other runtimes, but uh, traditionally it's just one thread that's executing actual code, and then you have uh, n threads. Usually, uh, if you're using Node, it's five uh, threads dealing with I/O. Ah, um, I just forgot what I was going to ask you next. Hmm. Sorry. Uh, is that it about concurrency? I believe, I believe so. You know, it's yeah. interesting because concurrency we we have talked about it a lot, it, it and is it's, a, a, hot it's topic. a trend. Yeah, uh, 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 it's a trend. Is this uh, is this really is it a complexity thing? Like, why is everything kind of turning to this now? Is I think we've part of it is the there's so many people on the internet, you need to handle the concurrency from uh, the perspective of how many users you have. And people and just thought they could throw more iron, as it would, as you, as it were, uh, at the problem. Well, that's still, more that's still dealing with concurrency, though, because you still have, even if you're dealing with that, uh, more servers, or you're dealing with more processes, or you're dealing with more threads, or green threads, or, or whatever, you're still dealing with uh, more of the same thing running, and you still need to deal with synchronization at some level. 
And hmm. that's kind of where concurrency comes in. Interesting. So I guess it's just the volume of people. Well, concurrency has, is the whole thing. I but the say. volume of people has necessitated a newer approach to operate. Uh, and the volume, I mean, volume of, of people, volume software. of data, volume of just uh, the things that we're trying to offer. Because now kind of like, in a, in a way, uh, uh, particularly with like all this IoT stuff, life is becoming synchronous because you have one thing going on here, one thing going on there, and you have to have all of these interactions. that's all asynchronous, once. actually. Well, Asynchronous in the sense that you can have two two things running at the same time. They're not like synchronizes. Okay, first, like think of it like you have a whole IoT home. You have, it's a uh, it's a Rube Goldberg machine. No, that would be synchronous. You said synchronous. I know that'd be the synchronous example. Right. No, but that's what I'm saying. In the asynchronous one, you have yeah, uh, say you have an IoT thing that when your alarm clock goes off, your coffee maker starts right away. But because uh, and then you have the two of them. And then your, your shower uh, starts and everything. And all these are starting, and then they have to uh, uh, figure out they're all going at once and then uh, when to stop. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, yeah, so synchronization would be... Would you need, like, a synchronization server? Nah, well, in certain uh, situations, because, like, uh, depending on how you're tackling this concur- uh, concurrency, because if you have a bunch of processes running or a bunch of servers, a bunch of containers, what have you, then uh, if they're sharing the same piece of data somehow, then you do need some kind of synchronization, which a lot of these key value stores are used as a, like a global uh, uh, lock that, that way. So like etcd and console are big ones to say this particular uh, process has uh, it's this data right at the moment. And then uh, once it releases that data, another process can grab that data. That's exactly what uh, Microsoft Excel 95 used to do. When you two people opened up a spreadsheet at the same time. Yeah, that's, that's uh, again, the same, same issue. Anyway, okay. The lesson is... In two to three years, everything will be concurrent and everything will be distributed. And nobody will better. notice the difference. It's got to be distributed. It's got to be concurrent. It's mm-hmm. always better. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it is, apparently. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, uh, <laughs> it's true. It's the, yeah. way, it's the way of the world. We've just learned. We wanted to do it the easy, simple way at first. and then Yes, that's why uh, they didn't have passwords originally. That's why uh, computer file systems assumed that you were the good guy and all that good stuff. And that had to... were so uh, easy. Uh, like, you're, you know, ba- you could make Windows 95... Do anyway. Oh, we're all we're we're running late. I thought we were talking about old stuff though. Well, now it's time for Russia, yeah, comrade. For Russia. Yeah, so, <laughs> yes. Speaking of old stuff, Russia is a big user illegally of Windows. But um, no, I wanted to talk about Russia be- for this one specific reason. Now I know, guys, that we uh, we try to not talk about politics on the show. I'm, I'm sorry. It's who, easy for who you. You said politics. This is just a different country. I try to talk. I try to not talk about politics on the show. But you try. I try. <laughs> This is this is kind of towing the line because <clears throat> there's a uh, you okay? A little <coughs> a little verklempt over there. Yeah, I got a little cold. Oh, you a little cold? Oh, I know that yeah. well. I thought uh, we were doing Russian accents. Yes, so you know you could talk. That's <laughs> not a Russian. Yes, accent. Cold. Actually, that's closer to what they tried. You to sound do. like a Russian guy, kind of on the toilet. Well, I was gonna <laughs> on the toilet. What I was gonna say is that's the Russian accent they used of. And not Russian people used for Fiddler on the Roof. Nah. The movie was made in the 70s, the height of the Cold War. You have a bunch of New York and British Jews trying to be Russian. The lead of the movie is Israeli. British. You have an Israeli guy who speaks British English trying to do a Russian accent. He doesn't even do the like a lot of Russian people do. He just does I don't like know the Borat vocal front. I work with one who does. Oh. 
Yes, that's Rachel. My name is it's. Uh, oh, Rachel. Yeah, instead of yeah. I do not have. Anyway, he just here in a little village of Anatevka. Where this is the way that I talk with my Russian. That's not a Russian accent. That's like no, a I'm, I'm Boris and hearing, Natasha. Uh, well, Boris is kind of the Eastern European. Yeah, so. and that's even more with the R's. He didn't even do that. This was the accents in the movie were horrible. Anyway, we want to talk about Russia because uh, the intelligence community has released a report on Russian hacking and how Russia has hacked the U.S. and, and other things. Uh, because it's not just, it's the power grids, and it's the DNC, and it's influencing the election. And uh, I, I, I just feel like this isn't news at a point. It <laughs> is news. It's counter news. Because here's what's important. And this is what's really important. To separate, to, you have to fillet the information to really separate the meat from the fat. Most of the news, even network news, is biased in, comment in commentary. They will take five words out of this intelligence report, which I'm going to go through, and I've already annotated it, so I'm not going to just start reading it on the air. Um, they're going to take five words out of that and turn it into three weeks of coverage about how we're under assault because of Putin. And it's not, I, I don't want, I can't say it's not true, but it really does not sound like it's 100% so, true. The one thing I've been wondering, though, because with all this, I haven't really heard of any hard technical proof that it's been the Russians. There's not any. I don't. There's not any. No, and that's the problem. And even this intelligence report uses the phrase cyber activity. And we're going to go back to that but in a second. Here's, here's the other question to yes. think about. Would, would they really be making this big a stink about it if there wasn't anything? And, and isn't there a good chance that if they do have something, they're not telling us quite yet. People are waiting to do that. They're negotiating. They're like, we will release this information. There's... Possibly. There's that going yes, on. Yes, there is the there is the government can't tell you everything. You don't just drop the ace in the I, I know, sleep. I know. But go. I will say this, that when you remember the FBI's discussion over Hillary's emails, which also yeah. had to, okay, which also had heavily classified information where they couldn't reveal everything, they were more technical, and sorry for popping, they were more technical in their report talking about Hillary's servers than they were about a possible real, like, hacking estate-level espionage attempt and then trying to interfere. That's a big charge. I think sure, it's a big deal. Because if they had hard evidence that are... That they would figure out how wrong. to say it to let you know. It's one of those things like how we didn't really see the dead body of Osama. Like, well, I'm not going to go down well, that rat hole, but you didn't, and you couldn't... They just told you he died, and you're supposed to wash your hands and pretend well, like it's done. I don't think... Everything lines up with this story. Bar barring your tinfoil hat for a second. It's a Russian cybersecurity hat that will keep out the radios from the government. Sorry. Doesn't it seem like this kind of helps uh, pretty much everyone in the U.S. government of, oh, we got hacked. Oh, no. Well, yes. First, yeah. these people don't know what hacking is. That, people, that's true. These I people gonna, don't I know what hacking too. is. A lot of the people who are writing the reports or who so, are reading the reports the, don't have a knowledge of I've, the Internet or technology. I've met some of the people who are hired by the government to basically be the people that keep them from getting hacked, which, no offense to them, but they are not the most, uh, like, on a scale of 1 to 10 of how technically apt they are, they're about like a 6. The, the, the cybersecurity experts hired by the government? Yeah, a, right. a lot of them are so, A lot of them are there for the money. and Right, they, a lot of money, low yeah, oversight. My favorite thing is they're like, oh, IP whitelisting is safe. I'm like, ah, that's, that's, that's a good one. And if IP whitelisting is safe, and then you can spoof someone's IP address. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll talk about that. So the yeah. first thing that I want to mention before we dive in is the 21st century is the active century. You, If you want information, if you want knowledge, you have to go out 
and find it yourself. You cannot trust anything that is spoon-fed to you. And if you try to, at least verify it. It's like if so you get a phone call from somebody saying, hello, this is the IRS. Are you really the IRS? Doesn't just like... I've been getting American home security right. on, so the, what you do is on you a price daily basis. Hang up the phone and you find the number and you and then you call the number yeah. and try to get the same person and then say, hey, I just got a call from somebody. Is this... Then they'll say no because it's a scam. Mm -hmm. So... Oh, I just keep them on the line. I'll do a well, character. You know, like if you have Sven Nornke from Sweden. That's yeah. better than uh, no information is misinformation. That's yeah. good. Any, oh, I, I've never, anyway, I've we're, getting, we're getting off track. Yeah. The, the point is that it's, Im, it, the, it's important, and I'd say it's almost incumbent on everybody that wants to have a real opinion of Russian hacking to read the actual report by the government. It's 25 pages, and a lot of them are filler. Like, the good stuff doesn't even start until page 16. There's an overview, there's just some metadata, there's blank pages, and then, six, that's 16, you can just start at page 16 of 25, so it's nine pages. At the top, each page has a header saying, this report is a declassified version of a highly classified assessment. Its conclusions are identical to those in the highly classified assessment, but this version does not include the full supporting information on key elements of the influence campaign, perhaps because they don't exist. Or... That's just debunking your whole argument. No, they have to put that there. The Most of what they talk about, they have to put that there. This way, anything that they're they leave out, they can say, well, of course we're not going to tell you. They're also saying, yeah, the real good shit we found, we're no, not but they can you. No, but listen, if they had real shit, and, and we're trying to curse less, if they have real stuff, uh, they like with Hillary, they will find a way to say the a general part of the information to let you know there is some technical detail that's that they can't fully reveal, but they'll water it down enough. But this doesn't even go that far. This says cyber activity. What is cyber activity to you, but, Tyler? But uh, stuff on the computer. It doesn't say nefarious activity. It mm. doesn't say it doesn't say intrusion attempts. It doesn't say exploits. It doesn't say you can say exploits without giving any technical details. You can say intrusion attempts without giving any technical details. And by the way, India, China, Russia, and most countries are already trying to, in, there's, they're running port scanners on everybody's computers and routers all the time. It has the background radiation of the internet. So, so if it happens on a government server for you to say, oh, it's a cyber attack from Russia, it's just almost random chance of happening. In, apart from them actually trying to, there was an element of that. And I'm not saying that there wasn't a Russian element of not liking Hillary Clinton. There was also an American element of not liking Hillary mm -hmm. Clinton. That's why she didn't win. So, and well, don't worry, she'd be New York's mayor. Oh. Yeah. The, uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> cursing less. So, uh, no, so the, the point is, a lot of what they did talk about and what they led with in the report is stuff that they that they mentioned on RT, which is Russia Today, not Room That, which is the uh. startup that we made. And in fact, it's possibly good that we're not doing that anymore because uh, it would be a. It's like how on uh, what's that show? I don't watch that cartoon. Archer. They had ISIS. Yeah. And they had oh. to change. Yeah, and they had to change that name. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, Anyway, and I understand, and again, I'll say this, I understand that there's more information than they can let out because it's, the, it's classified material. I'm not asking, not asking the government to turn, play all their cards. I'm asking them to play a couple cards that let people who actually know about technology have a clue that they know what's going on. Because page 16 is the first line of evidence that they actually give on Russia hacking, and it's talking about Russia today. 
It's talking about a a Hillary critical a Hillary critical content. It says it says RT introduced two new shows, Breaking the Set on 4th September and Truth Seeker on 2nd November, both overwhelmingly focused on criticism of US and Western government as well as the as well as the promotion of radical discontent. <clears throat> From August to November of 2012, to 2012 now, mm -hmm. RT ran numerous reports on alleged U.S. election fraud and voting machines vulnerabilities, just like the actual news did, and just like they did this past year, contending that the U.S. election results can, cannot be trusted and do not reflect the popular will. Well, guess who else say that? All of the people who voted for Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is the evidence that Russia has hacked us. Let's go on. Page 20. They, they go on with more of these television anecdotes. Page 20. RT focuses on social media building audience. That's evidence number two. Allegedly. So number one Allegedly. is they were critical of Hillary on television. Number two, this is what they're leading with, okay? This is what they're, they're not leading with intrusion attempts, data stolen, exploits given, we need new servers now. They're saying... Russia today didn't like Hillary Clinton, and then, and then now they're marketing themselves on social media like literally everybody else in media tries to do. Mm -hmm. uh, our, this is from the report. RT aggressively advertises social media, its social media accounts and has a significant and fast-growing social media footprint. In line with its efforts to present itself as an anti-mainstream, as, as anti-mainstream, and to provide viewpoints alternative Viewers, sorry, alternative news content, R RT is making its social media operations a top priority, both to avoid broadcast TV regulations and to expand its overall audience. How evil! How evil that is! They're marketing themselves in social media. RT's website receives at least 500,000 uniques every day. That's pretty good. Mm -hmm. Since its inception in 2005, RT videos received more than 800 million views on YouTube. That's a million views per day, which is the highest among news outlets. And it says, see graphics for comparison with other news channels. So they, now they're just talking about analytics. And page 21 is analytics of RT. Uh, by the way, the RT editor-in-chief says the TV is also in the report. And it says, according to the RT editor-in-chief, comma, the TV audience worldwide is losing trust on traditional TV broadcasts and stations. Is that because of Russia or is that because of the internet? I don't know. So That's also because of TV getting awful. Right. <laughs> and, 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 yes. And because the internet is eating uh, TV news. Much of this report, and even of the stuff that I've read, is filled with performatives, according to... Because we think we is then there's not that I there, I don't there, I'm not I'm not I don't it's not like I can I don't see a smoking gun but I know that there's not going to be one because it's classified but they should allude to that more than just saying oh there's cyber activity and they were critical of Hillary Clinton on television that's not enough to start a war. Mm -hmm. That's not, I'm sorry. No, it's a fluff article. This is, no, this is not an article. And this is an intelligence report. This is official shit. And, yeah. this, and this report is what's given to what, well, I shouldn't say what's given, but people in news get it. And people on, I've already read one Verge article that said that, it quoted the report that said, Putin had a clear preference for Trump. That's the only takeaway. That's the, which, okay, yeah, because Trump was the person saying, you know, let's not mess with Russia. Anyway, um... Page 22, 
RT America formally disassociates itself from the Russian government by using a Moscow-based autonomous profit organization to finance U.S. operations just like NPR does. When you donate to NPR, they're actually donating to a company that donates to NPR so they can say they don't receive any money. Uh, mm -hmm. According to RT's leadership, this strikes true. National Public Media versus National Public Radio. Look it up. Uh, and, and, they, and they can write off all the donations, which allows them to then be tax-free and have a great... Low tax percentage anyway. According to RT's leadership, the structure was set up to avoid the Foreign Agents Reg Registration Act and to facilitate licensing abroad. In addition, RT rebranded itself to the, in 2008 to de-emphasize a Russian origin. Okay, so it, it's, you know, indirectly controlled, or funded by the Kremlin, which Russia today, not mm -hmm. too big of a surprise. But I think the bigger surprise is the fact that there is all in this report that really, the like it sounds like a, they're trying to fluff it up. They, there's not much substance. They are for sure. They're, they, I think that the reason for that though is is think of the implications that would happen if they actually had some hard evidence. They said, all right, these servers did this, these guys did this. They changed these database voting results or whatever. Here, I don't know what they would have done. Um, think of what that means, man. That means that all of a sudden. Russia messed with our stuff, and so, A, we don't have leadership, and we need to fight Russia. But that's what they're saying you, already, you don't, just without any evidence. Yeah, it means that something but if went had, down, but they if, don't know how to fix They don't. They can't just let that all out right now. Like, they can say, again, they can say they can use language similarly to what Comey used uh, during Hillary Clinton's investigation, which did not release, did not reveal any classified information. those are different things. It's, no, one, it's, perhaps no, one, it's, you can, it's another potential state actor accessing classified information. Maybe what they have is black and white, and if and, they say this happened, then it's like, oh, well, shit's on, and that's a well, problem. The one argument I'd bring up is it is extremely hard to identify exactly who attacked you. You can say there was an attack, it came from this IP address, but beyond that, you really Exactly, so let's talk about the Keith Richards of code really quickly and I'm sorry I should have uh, <laughs> that can mean so many things but they all mean something yes. there's so many Keith Richards stories I too. know well the Keith Richards of code in our world is John McAfee and he was on this horrible network Russia Today talking about any evidence if there were evidence of Russia hacking Russian hacking this is what he says despite the recent allegations this is not him Russia, this is the FBI never accessed the hacked servers of the DNC in their investigation for more on the hearing, I'm joined tonight by John McAfee, cybersecurity legend and developer of the McAfee. For the listeners at home, he looks like crap. And also the yes, CEO this does, this doesn't of help his case, uh, MGT. Great to have you with us tonight, John. I appreciate your time. Uh, characterize what you heard today on Capitol Hill. How conclusive is it? Well, I'm going to be very frank with you in the American public. I think that today, the most deceptive propaganda to date was perpetrated on the American public. Uh, the data that was presented, the evidence was, uh, was called from a thing called the Grizzly Step Report, put together jointly by Homeland Security and the FBI. In there are four facts which they claim prove that Russia did this hack. It was utter nonsense. The information was, number one, Russian language was found in the malware. Number two, a Cyrillic keyboard was used. By the way, the forensic science can now tell what, what type of keyboard was used uh, to develop a piece of malware. Um, number three, 
the the compiler that is one of the, the 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 piece of software that compiles the code so that it can execute always dates and timestamps. Uh, it said that the uh, date the timestamps were uh, were in a time zone for the business hours of Moscow and St. Petersburg and other places in Russia. And then number four, that the IP address pointed to a Russian address. Okay. So those are the four things outlined by a probably hungover or coming down off of a mean trip, John McAfee. <laughs> I mean, that's not fair, but quite possible. I mean, his eyes do not look like no, they're yeah, open yeah. that much. Uh, so he talked about four things. Now, I should mention... And I say the phrase I should mention a lot. I should not mention that. I should mention this came out a couple. This was not uh, the Intelligence Committee report came out on Friday. This came out on the 6th, which I think was on Wednesday, Wednesday or Thursday. Um, I'm not keeping So far. this was right before. Can you stop clicking? That? Oh, sorry. It was microphones. Um, you, uh, it's right before the Intelligence Committee uh, report dropped. But that's the most actual evidence I've heard on the whole thing. Yeah. So number one is he said that the computer was set to Russian. The language of the computer was set to Russian. Christian, can you set your computer to Russian? Yeah. Okay, number two. Um, how do you do that? Do you have to call Vladimir Putin you, and ask you go the license to Russian and say, settings? And just say, my, set my language to, to Russian. Uh, yeah. Okay, uh, time zone is uh, Moscow time. Uh, can you change the time zone on your computer? Yeah, you can change it either through uh, that manually, although there's a, other, other ways to get it. Easiest thing to do, and it's weird that it wasn't a UTC timestamp to begin with in that component. Uh, yeah, because... Uh, that, that, that's just weird to me. It's like, uh, why would it actually use a regular timestamp that's just, like, not tech? But... Uh, interesting, interesting. You can, more you can screw with your NTP uh, client, uh, and you can give it whatever time it thinks it is. Okay, and then the third one is that the language for the keyboard was set to Cyrillic. Can you change well, the, the language? Well, the keyboard itself is Cyrillic. Can you? But it's. Can you? Well, that's some bouncing music. I wonder what that is. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, can you change the language of your keyboard? I you, in you, software. Yeah. Yes, but it's that's not what they're saying. You can actually see on a mechanical level. You can. Yes, they have. Uh, it's. Can you? Okay. <laughs> Let me. Okay, that's fine. You got yeah. me. Second question, can you, you can buy, buy yes, a Russian you can just, keyboard you can just on Amazon buy, yes, uh, and yes. have it here in two days? Well, maybe three, but yes. Yes, and it won't even come from Russia. No. No. Okay, How and then... You know? No, well, you know. But number four is probably China, because that's where everything is made. China? You hate uh, the Russian production, man? <laughs> number four, <laughs> and this is the biggest one, mm -hmm. is that the IP address, they found a Russian IP address that in some access log mm -hmm. somewhere. So, uh, Chris... How, can you spoof an IP address? Absolutely. Uh, can you spoof an IP address so it sounds like it's coming from Russia? Absolutely. So can you spoof an IP address uh, that sounds like it's coming from Russia so you can write a report saying, hey, there's traffic that looks like, notice I say that looks like, mm -hmm. that looks like it's from Russia, and then they say, added together, the most logical inference is that the Russians gave documents to WikiLeaks. Circumstantial evidence, comma, yes. Mm -hmm. That's circumstantial. So it's possible. Yeah. I'm not I'm sorry, it's fitting around. It's possible. But, I mean, th there's... Mm, I mean, it doesn't really have that beyond a reasonable doubt of even, like, you know, say what you want about Donald, but he even said, you know, it could be someone in a bed in New Jersey, which mm. is... It's, it's honestly true. Well, and then 
we have a little proof of concept that uh, I've been working on. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, uh, it's not done. I'll have it done next week. Though. Okay. So that's a nice uh, tease. But right now I have basically just a LibUV UDP server. So a very production-like example. And uh, uh, you can take a look at the code at uh, github.com slash cpg1111 slash ip-spoof-example. And what you'll see there right now is just a, a, a very, um, I shouldn't say vanilla, but a very simple, uh, just using libuv for asynchronous and uh, an asynchronous event loop, and then just a UDP server on it. And then by next week, what I'll do is I'll just drop down into the IP, uh, the IP level there and change the packets to say my IP address is not my IP, my IP address. And what language are you writing this in? C. C, straight, straight C. Yeah. And why, why C? And it's easy to drop down to the IP level. What do you when you say drop down to the IP level? What does that actually mean? So in the OSI networking layers, you have uh, from the bottom up, you have your uh, physical layer, mm -hmm. then your data link layer, which is ether uh, Ethernet. Well, sorry, not really Ethernet, but so much as your MAC address. That that kind of stuff comes into play there. And then you have your networking layer, which is IP, and then you have your transport layer, TCP, UDP, and there's another one that not too many kernels implement, but it's uh, coming into play soon. And uh, th then there's, uh, after that, you have your uh, session layer. And then after that, um, blanking on that one. But uh, then you have your application layer, which are things like HTTP, SSH. Right. So how do you, in C, what do you type? What what do you type code so to drop into the IP layer? So each thing is uh, just a struct in C. So you have, uh, in the IP layer, you'd have a IP packet struct. That is that an, a sent. library that you include? No, this is something that, well, technically, it's just a header that exposes a, header, a, a, a kernel ABI. Uh, so it's just dealing with the Linux kernel to say, I have a struct that represents an actual IP packet being sent. And in there, I want to change this part of the header that says my IP address to a different IP address. Now, why can't you do that in something like Go? You could. Or more and, civilized and language. Particularly Go, you could. Oh, well, yeah. why didn't you do that? Do that since it would be easier. What about JavaScript? Uh, go, go, no. Uh, so Go has a lot of protection around it to ensure these things, uh, so that way they just work as opposed to doing these bad things. Does OS ten this requires raw sockets, doesn't it? No, not no, it doesn't. This just uh, requires Rockets. access to the IP level. Oh, so could you do it in JavaScript? Because JavaScript doesn't know. Uh, you can make Node, a Node doesn't expose uh, the IP layer actually. No, uh, what about web no, sockets? So Node is built on libuv, which is what I'm using. But it's written in C. Uh, so the event loop's written in C. Uh, Node's runtime is uh, written in C++. is just kind of a way to glue together V8 and libuv. Okay. Uh, but JavaScript with WebSockets, couldn't you manually create a packet that you send over a UDP, UDP JavaScript channel? doesn't expose the... Uh, you're Sounds really like crossing you could, the beams. Am I? Okay. Sounds like yeah. you could manually expose it yourself. Well, what type of traffic? What type of... When you say WebSockets, that's not just... A, it's not WebSockets. Oh. WebSockets are just a, 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 a HTTP connection. Oh, they're HTTP. I thought it was just like a socket connection no, that you web, open. No, web sockets are you have an HTTP connection. They say upgrade, and then what that does is it keeps all the regular HTTP stuff going, except that connection doesn't close until you explicitly tell it to close. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, um, so we'll have to see more about how to actually spoof an IP address next week. Mm -hmm. And uh, do you think we could do something where uh, we can make it look like a Russian person was hacking your computer? I'll have to find a, a Russian IP address, but yeah. Okay. Well, just uh, do a, go to kremlin.gov, <laughs> and then just a reverse just, IP lookup. Just NS lookup at kremlin.gov. Yeah, exactly. Dot .ru, sorry. It's not. <laughs> kremlin.gov is probably our honeypot site. The, <laughs> the, uh, speaking of honeypots, the, the report did mention one person that actually might have played 
uh, had a hand in Russian hacking as I'm trying to find it. It is Guccifer. Have you heard of Guccifer? Yeah. I'm serious. Have you yeah. heard of Guccifer? No. Guccifer was a hacker that, that uh, I forgot what the first one did, but Guccifer 2.0 is the name of the entity that has supposedly hacked the DNC during this past election. Well, for those who can't see well, it, spelled uh, like Gucci and then Lucifer, not the other thing you might be thinking of. So, actually, Eric, uh, last night I sent you a uh, link to a documentary on uh, hacking that uh, happened to touch upon Guccifer 1.0. Oh, really? I yeah. didn't watch it. I'm and, sorry. And uh, it's all right. And they also had guys like Weave in there, Sobu. Okay. Uh, yeah, so you, the, the original anonymous, anonymous guys who just turned out to be nerds in their mother's basements. but Just like yeah. what Donald Trump says, some guy on a bed in New Jersey. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's Guccifer, Guccifer 1, but Guccifer yeah. 2. Didn't you see Live Fear, Die Hard? No. Those are the people that run the world when systems go down. Gotcha. Nerds in the basements. Well, Gu- Guccifer <laughs> 2.0 um, is somebody else. But they want to capitalize on the brand equity from the original Guccifer. Guccifer. Uh, but they have uh, the FBI's, uh, sorry, the Intelligence Committee's report points to a WordPress website that is run by Guccifer 2.0. And it's, and the, the only thing that really comes up is Guccifer 2.0 hacked the Clinton Foundation. Now, the copy on this website does not, I don't, I don't know, it doesn't, it's, it doesn't, doesn't smell right. This is what it says. Many of you have been waiting for this, and some even asked me to do it. So this is the moment. I hacked the Clinton Foundation server and downloaded hundreds of thousands of docs and donors' databases. Would you, if you did that, would you write that explicitly? I have hacked the Clinton Foundation server on your own WordPress website. Wait, wait, hold on. The next line is, Hillary Clinton and her staff don't even bother about the information security. It was just a matter of time to gain access to the Clinton Foundation server. Here, are, here's the contents of one of the folders I got from there. Sounds and like it has screenshots. Website. Doesn't it? Especially when it's at WordPress.com. It's Guccifer2.wordpress.com. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't oh, know. Wait, maybe that's the genius part. They're like, yeah. Where's it hosted? Oh, it's on WordPress. That's just yeah. like Petraeus <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, violating state secrets secret. with Gmail drafts. He can yeah. go log into any library and recreate that website all day, any day. Right, but uh, this, this website. It has a couple of screenshots, but this, it like, it, it doesn't really sound like a real well, you, thing you that happened. You never know. And I, what, what I was going to say is there's uh, two kinds of hackers out there. There's the kinds who just do these things. They don't take credit. They just want to do these things. And then there's the ones who uh, d- uh, do these things, and they want to take credit, the guys who sign their names on these things. But would you would you explicitly say, I did a, a possibly felonious cyber hacking on your WordPress website? Uh me personally, I don't use WordPress, but no. Uh, okay. Aside from that, That's though, semantics. I, uh, I uh, just uh, probably wouldn't want to uh, take credit. Gotcha. Well, um, it has a, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Even if the, uh, if the Clinton Foundation was hacked, is that because of the server that Hillary was running in her basement? Well, that I, wasn't that when they got an attack from China, they unplugged it. That it that, that and server? I don't know. So was it that combined with John Podesta giving his email or his, his password? There's a whole a, lot of things, but I think those, bottom line is for some reason uh, the government invested in both some of the biggest actual security experts and some of the biggest security frauds out there. Some people who just really don't know what they're doing, and they seem to be the ones who are dealing with the protecting. And then you got the NSA guys doing all the hacking there, who seem to know what they're doing. It's just then the government also has big organization syndrome where nobody talks to anybody. Like the, the intelligence community. Yeah. 
Com- committee. Sorry, it's committee. This isn't from the NSA. This isn't from the FBI. This isn't from the CIA. It's from the Intelligence Committee, mm-hmm. which includes a bunch of people like John McCain, who doesn't use a computer, right? But wants to have a fight with Russia. Real good. He mm-hmm. wants to really like. So, uh, sounds like. Well, he's no. That's Cheney. I'm thinking of who basically is a computer now. What? Oh, Cheney. Yeah, he's yeah, he's, he's basically, basically is a, computer. a computer. Yeah, yeah. Those people somehow live forever. But you know, well, I mean, when you got Kennedy a, when you got John a robot Lennon, heart. Yeah, then. He, he, he's actually Darth Vader. Yeah, and he's too fat to be the emperor. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Um, okay, well, do you want to put a pin in the Russia? I think so. We. Uh, oh, by the way, we, uh, I, ta- I left out three pages, the last three pages of the report. Page 23, glossary. Page 24 was intentional, left blank, and page 25 is a back cover. You know, there's only, like, they, there's really, like, five pages of content that they've inflated to a 25-page document. It, remember... This discussion, when you hear that the world will end from MSNBC because of the stuff we just talked about, be very careful because that's the, that's the, that's the message that I really, that's the takeaway. Whether or not, you know, whether or not Russia somehow, sorry, whether or not Russia somehow figured out how to miraculously intrude on all of these different uh, services and servers and, uh, and they did it in such a way that it allowed Hillary Clinton to win the popular vote, but not the Electoral College. And then they have a bunch of cyber activity. That's what they say. Cyber activity, like launching a website. Or Putin logging onto Facebook. Or Putin logging onto Facebook, yeah. Oh, no, he's, he's, he, I, I don't know. <laughs> but when, this is not normalizing fascism. This is not carrying water for the Kremlin. This is dissecting a government report. And we would do this for anybody, as mm-hmm. long as it re, re, uh, pertains to technology. Mm-hmm. So... It's uh, it's really uh, like I said. I'll just one more time because there are going to be many articles. There are going to be many news stories from NBC, from MSNBC, from cable news, from internet, from from actual real internet news, from fake internet news, talking about how there it's it's real. There's a real report that Russia has actually hacked that contains no information. Mm-hmm. So, Remember, this one says we probably left out all the good stuff on the header of every single page in the document. No, but you can allude to the good stuff. But you can't. No, you, you can't. Can. Again, I told you earlier how you can. You can talk about intrusion attempts. You can use generalized language. You can. But they didn't. They've done that in the past. They, they have. More, exactly. And, and they, they did more. And then it would snowball. No. You know, yeah. no, no, you know. You know what Russia has? Snowed in. Yeah. That might be why we want a war with them. He's been sitting over there giving us the middle finger for years. And, we, and we don't like that. So maybe. We need some kind of excuse to get him back. I think we're trying to avoid a war. Well, with mm. with their our next president, yes, but with the one that America wanted, no. Yeah. Anyway, um, and that's as much about politics as we'll get into for a while. Um, all right, we've got six minutes left. Is that enough time? You want to you want to talk about uh, my my subway my subway thing? Uh oh yeah yeah you. Uh, all right, well let's. Yeah. I mean, I, let me try this. I'm going to try to turn down the volume like that. And then I'm going to do a, uh, I don't have it. I don't have it. No, I do. Sabrans, do you live in New York City? Well, if you do, Pneumonium has a beautiful new product for you. It's called Where Am I? Your five-borough conference navigator to help you get anywhere from Staten Island to the Bronx. Simply go to www.whereami.nyc and enable location services on your mobile device to find the neighborhood, borough, and three closest subway stops to you, wherever you are. No ads, no tracking, just geospatial brilliance, that's Where Am I? 
Brought to you by Pneumonium. Pneumonium, reinventing media daily. Now is second half support. Yes. <laughs> that's, and that's exactly why I wanted to bring this up. It's not just for sa- sa- shameless self-promotion. It's about the fact that uh, the MTA has made quite a few changes. I mean, the MTA has made quite a few changes to the subway system in the last year and has started opening up something that they was rumored for 100 years would never happen, which is the Second Avenue subway. And which takes longer, Christian? Opening up three stops... <laughs> no, that's funny. Which takes longer, opening up three stops on a subway line or telling you where those stops are? Uh, Building? Knowing the MTA, telling you where those are. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. So uh, there was a big stink in New York about the Second Avenue subway, which uh, has been a rumor for literally 100 years, and three stops of the Second Avenue subway have opened, and one of them is right by your place. Yeah. And that's 86. 15 minutes to get to work. 72nd, 86, and 96? So, wait, what did you say? It's uh, 63rd where the F already was, and then oh. there's... um. transfer is also available to the 63rd Street and station by using your metro thing car. And, yeah, and then it goes 77th, 86, 96. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um Well... So the the Where Am I app, which again is at whereamI.nyc, hinges on a bunch of JSON data that the city publishes, and the city. I'm honestly surprised they're using JSON. And not it's XML. they're using a they're using a, like, a pleasantly surprised. No, 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 they're using a service that allows you to decide which format that you want to export, and you can actually export it in GeoJSON, which includes geospatial data if you wanted to draw sectors. Right, but sure. anyway, uh, the point is is that I had to get into a discussion with the MTA because. As of when the subway is open, when the second half subway opened, plus there was this the extended the seven, and they, uh, there's a W train now. Um, again. Again, sorry. Mm-hmm. W train again. Uh, there were a bunch of changes to the map, and they didn't sync up the changes to the map to when all of those new services started like you think they would. So, are, are all of the people like, or that use electronic subway wayfinding applications like us when we use Google Maps or even the NYC subway app, which is just a picture? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I sent them an email. And uh, we only have two minutes. We'll be, I'll be really quick. Uh, we, I sent them an email, and I said, hey, what's going on? And they said, oh, uh, we're not the organization that is actually responsible for the data. We created this other data. So they sent me a zip file of this other data that does not sync up to each other. There's no way. It's like a puzzle that's missing a few pieces. There's no way to get it to all kind of relate. And I tried writing a script in PHP to do it, and then I ran out of memory because I ended up finding, like, all of the subway stops for all of the... Sorry, all of the subway stops for all of the lines at every different trip that they ran. It's way too much data when I just wanted points on a map. Your first mistake was PHP. Oh, it was just say, writing oh, data. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> yeah. No, but uh, seriously, though... Um, but in all seriousness, though, that it just doesn't have the memory management for that. Okay, well, anyway, it worked the first time. But uh, I was going back and forth with them, and they said, Oh, you know, we, uh... We're... Well, I can't just tell you the locations of the subway stop because we're gonna do. We need to be fair to all of the other web developers that are using this information. And then right under that, he said, "We are working with Apple and Google to work on their transit apps." Because I said, "What are they doing?" Because they obviously have the information now. Mm-hmm. So he said, "I want everybody to help." Sorry, I want everybody to be treated fairly. And then, oh, I'm helping out Apple and Google per, uh, especially. Anyway, you should have all... made a node module to fix that, bro. There is a node module for it, but it doesn't have the information that I need. Why don't you oh! have a pull request to watch you update it? Yeah, well. Oh. Speaking of pull requests, contributing to the open Speaking of pull requests, we're out of time. <laughs> we're out of time. So, Tyler, do you approve this week's pull request? I approve. Christian. Looks good to me. Well, then let's hit merge. 
and forgot to turn up the volume. We'll see you all next week right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. <laughs>